in the morning when you need the news that matters most. They can kiss my f***ing ass right downtown and print it. You need the front page. All these mother editorials. On the press box. They're really, really behind you around here. My f***ing ass. With Graney and Bischoff. Rip them mother Rip them suckers like the f***ing players. Just a few minutes, we got another pair of tickets to UNLV Wyoming tonight. Stay tuned. In the Mountain West, Boise State beat Nevada to win the regular season title. The Broncos are 24 and 6, 15 and 2 in the Mountain West. One game to play before the Mountain West tournament. They will be the one seed. Boise State is up to 27 in Ken Palm. That is the first, this is the first time ever that Leon Rice at Boise State is at a top 40 team by Ken Palm rank. He's had one or two other top 50 teams, but this is the first time he's been in the top 40, inside the top 30. Uh, Boise State, a very good season, and right now they're the one seed in the Mountain West Tournament. Golf, black, golf clap for them. They deserve it. They play the best. Good for them. So what what happened? They had fans storm the court last night, and... and... Security wouldn't let some some uh, kids on the court. They were tackling kids. The AD had to, had to release a statement. It's like, you you probably should have known this was coming. If they're going to win, if they're going to cut down nets, you should have had a better you know plan in place and let them storm the court. I mean, <laughs> I watched St. Mary's do it the other night when they beat Gonzaga. It happens all the time. Maybe it doesn't happen a lot at Boise. Maybe it's never happened to Boise, and they didn't know how to handle it. But, yeah, there were some issues with the kids trying to storm the court. Hold on. Did, I saw a tweet. Um, yeah, this is from yesterday. So, Liberty won the state championship here, uh, high school state yeah, championship. Yeah, beat Gorman up in Reno. Or up in, uh, yeah, up north. They tweeted, we got charged $100 for cutting the net down after winning the state championship. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, they beat Gorman. It's money well spent. Someone someone picked up that, that uh, bill. But if you're, I feel like hosting a high school basketball state championship game, part of the agreement is we're going to have to replace the net. Right. Yeah. Like, you, you know that's happening, right? A team wins a championship. They're going to cut down the yeah. nets. Like, I, I like to imagine, like, UNLV sending a bill to whoever wins the Mountain West Championship this year for $100 because eh, we got to replace our nets, guys. I wonder if they put kids on their shoulders because if they didn't want the nets cut down, did they actually, did they actually provide, the a, uh, provide a ladder? Where'd the yeah, ladder come from? Good question. Also, why $100? What kind of net are you buying? <laughs> True. It's a great net. It's a heck of a net. Maybe it was. Maybe they provided the ladders being like, yeah, go cut down those yeah. nets. We're going to make a quick, we're gonna make a quick $75. <laughs> we're going to buy some nets and have some money left over. Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. The Packers and Aaron Rodgers are negotiating a contract. This is uh, from Ian Rappaport. He said yesterday, the two sides are in negotiations for a short-term deal that will make, them, make him the highest paid player in the NFL. Ian Rappaport also said, though, Rodgers hasn't decided if he's playing or not. Uh, but I have to imagine if he's negotiating a contract to pay him $50 million, whatever that he's number gonna is. He's going to get $50 million, being, isn't he? He's staying. In, like He wouldn't be negotiating this contract and then just leave, right? Who am I missing that's the highest paid player now? Mahomes? Um, yeah, I don't think it's it kicks in. This I don't coming think it's kicked in yet. I think it kicks in this coming up year, but he's in the mid forties, I believe. Okay, and so I think maybe, Josh they're Allen, maybe they're kind of him. I oh, think Josh, Josh Allen, Allen also got a massive one as well, but I think those are the the top two at the moment. But yeah, there's uh Rogers become highest paid. Did you also see that their GM Brian Gutenkus um, said that he has not gotten any trade right. calls about Aaron Rodgers? Well, he hasn't answered the phone. <laughs> That's the best part. I mean, two weeks ago, as yeah. I'm not answering the phone when people call, and yeah, now I'm saying, sure he's gotten 42 offers and he hasn't answered the phone. Now yet. he's like, nobody's made me an offer. Yeah. I, what do you want me to do? Did you get it?
Uh, I'm looking right now. The highest cap hit is Matt Ryan at 48 million. Uh, wow. Aaron Rodgers is at 46, and then Cousins is 45, and uh, Tannehill is 38. <laughs> if I remember correctly, they restructured Matt Ryan's a couple years ago and made this a ridiculous cap. Oh, hit. some of those names and hits. Ryan Tannehill, got to get Man. it done. Happy to move on to the to the next question here, Aaron. The Cowboys want to restructure Amari Cooper's contract. He has a cap hit of $22 million for this coming up season. If the Cowboys released him or traded him, he'd have a dead cap hit of just $6 million. So the Cowboys can effectively save $16 million against the cap if they get rid of Amari Cooper. But it sounds like, according to Ian Rappaport, they would prefer to restructure his contract, maybe pay him $15 million a year instead of $22 million this year, and have Amari Cooper on the roster for next season. Is Amari Cooper not good enough to justify $22 million? I mean, I given what, the, given what some of the receivers in the league make, that kind of surprises me. I think he's good enough. I would think so, but I guess, I mean, the other part of it is they have C.D. Lamb, and they can bring back Michael Gallup, and so they can they could conceivably say, hey, We've got a couple other good wide receivers. Amari Cooper is more of a luxury, and we don't want to pay $22 million for that luxury. This isn't a team that like, – it's not the Raiders who are in desperate need of, like, an outside number one wide receiver, right? This is a team that they can make CeeDee Lamb the number one target next year, and, and CeeDee Lamb will probably be great. So I think it might be partially just the Cowboys looking at Amari Cooper as a luxury as opposed to a necessity for their offense. Pops Ramirez wonders if you cut down the nets in the WNBA, do you lose your arena? Uh, probably, yes. <laughs> They take the whole you thing away from you. Cut down the nuts and they started charging you for that. <laughs> Next question. Also on the Cowboys, Dak Prescott had shoulder surgery. That's the left shoulder. No worries. He's fine. Did no Frank, worries. Did Frank Saravalli I was this? I was just going to say, Frank Saravalli <laughs> said it was the right shoulder, but it's the left, so I'm not as worried. All right. The other shoulder news, and maybe the more important shoulder news, Jimmy Garoppolo having shoulder surgery this month. But Adam Schefter, when he tweeted this out, said it's not expected to impact his trade. He's going to be traded this month or is expected to be traded this month. Are you trading for Jimmy Garoppolo coming off shoulder surgery? Is it his throwing shoulder? I, I, yeah, I believe so. That's not good. Like, I don't know if I was trading for him in the beginning, right. never mind with the right shoulder surgery. Like, Okay, if you're trading for Garoppolo, you are trading for, hey, we want, you know, the average NFL quarterback. Yeah. You're clearly not trading Probably for a guy. Probably the best one on the market. Right. You're clearly not trading for a guy that's going to, you know, lead you to the Super Bowl because he's so great. You're trading for a guy that you can get to the Super Bowl with. You're trading for a guy that is average. And so if you've got a horrible quarterback, but the rest of the roster is fine, like the Denver Broncos, for example, Garoppolo would probably help them a lot, right? Garoppolo would be a big upgrade over what they've had, but it's still probably not enough to actually ascend in the right. AFC West. So... It's already a question of if you should trade for him, but now coming off shoulder, shoulder surgery, surgery, I mean, I guess you're, you'd be confident in the surgery and that he'd have a recovery time. Like, this isn't... Yeah, I mean, I think he would recover. It's just, like like you said, I don't know if I was going to trade for him in, in the beginning, but now kind of damaged up. Right. I really don't know if I'd trade for him. So, I'll be fascinated to see, assuming they do actually end up trading him, what the 49ers are able to get for Jimmy Garoppolo. And in the thread of tweets, it also says that he won't start throwing again until around 4th of July. Yeah. So you're given a month to see what he can do before preseason? Yeah, before you move on him? Well, we've seen what he can do. Win a playoff game without scoring a touchdown. Great question. Oh, combine. It's full of NFL news. The Giants are open to trading Saquon Barkley. Uh, I mean, he's played, what, 
handful of games in two years? Yeah. I guess I wasn't... Com- when they said this, I guess I wasn't completely surprised. I'd like to know, what do you think... Uh, I think it's ten games in two years. I don't know if it's that if it's that many. Fifteen in the last two years. Okay, what could you get for him? Uh, I would think absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, a late round pick. In all seriousness, I don't. I I cannot imagine being in charge of a football team and trading for Saquon Barkley. Right. Um, he, because here's the problem: Saquon Barkley has had injury issues, but Saquon Barkley has one year left on his rookie on deal. his rookie deal. If you're trading for him, presumably you like Saquon Barkley and you think he's going to be a part of your team for more than one season, you have to give the guy an extension. Mm-hmm. Who's giving up an asset yeah. to trade for him and then and paying giving him, him more money. to give him the extension? That sounds like a, just a dumb football move. That sounds like a bad roster decision for another team. So I can't imagine somebody signing up to take Saquon Barkley. Now... If it's a sixth or a seventh round pick, sure, go for it, right? Like, that's probably not too big of a deal. If you need a running back or whatever, and the Giants are like, yeah, we'll move him for a sixth, that's fine. But it also makes no sense for the Giants to trade him for just a sixth. Like, he's even if you only get him for five games, he's probably going to provide more value than whoever the hell you take in the sixth round. So I can't imagine a trade actually happens here because the Giants are now, probably going to want... the key part of what you just said was the extension. Right. The Giants I mean, are probably going to want a third or something right. like that at the least. They'll and overvalue him. I can't imagine anybody would actually give up a third for Saquon Barkley because you'd have to be in love with a hurt running back to do that, and that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. All right. Here's a fun story. The old USFL is suing the new... USFL. Uh, the USFL existed in the 80s. Uh, Fox has started up the new USFL, and they've just used the same name. They even used some of the same team names uh, that were in the old USFL, and they're now being sued by some of the old owners from the old USFL. Um, Fox is apparently going to argue that the original USFL abandoned their trademarks because they've been defunct for nearly 30 years. I don't know much about law, but that sounds like a good argument. You haven't existed for three decades. You don't get to come in and claim you still own something that doesn't exist anymore. We will have Sam and Ash on later. Yes, to tell us how right or wrong I am about that. But I don't feel like you can just not exist for 30 years and then come back and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. That was our great idea that you're trying to bring back to life. Did you know the USFL was coming back? No, I had no idea. Oh, We talked about the draft picks last week. Was I here? <laughs> yeah, remember the top two picks were both Ole Miss quarterbacks. Oh, that's right, Shea Patterson. Yeah, how did I remember? How did I forget that? And Jordan Tamu. Maybe I didn't yeah. hear it through my headphones because <laughs> they because <laughs> one's dangling and the this other one's is when broken. They broke. All right, we've still got some UNLV tickets to give away. We got a pair to UNLV Wyoming tonight. If you want to go see the Running Rebels take on Wyoming, seven zero two. 364-1100. That's the phone number. 702-364-1100. You'll win two tickets to tonight's game. We'll take caller number four at 702-364-1100. Congratulations to Ryan. He won a pair of tickets to go out to UNLV basketball. We've got a few more of those to give away, plus some Mountain West tournament tickets and some tickets to the ACMs coming to Las Vegas. UNLV plays tonight against Wyoming. And, Ed, first I have a question for you. Do you think you could have done more to stop Bryce Hamilton from being hit by a basketball while you were interviewing him? First of all, he wasn't hit. He wasn't hit. Second of all, the ball was past me at the time I continued to ask the question. I asked the question, and he's about ready to answer. 
about, you know, I said, is, has it hit you yet that this is possibly your last game in Thomas and Mac? As we saw the ball coming, it passed him and Steve Cofield. Steve leaned over and said, I could have done more for you. Paloma said, oh! Just sort of oohed and odd. She oohed and odd. <laughs> and me being a professional reporter said, he's fine. Let me continue with the question. It didn't hit him. Had it hit him in the head, I would have paused. He would have given him a second. And I'd have probably play. said, you okay? All right, let's continue. <laughs> what What do you think about this being your last game in Thomas Max Center? Your regular season game. Uh, do you so, have a concussion? And what do you yeah. think about your last game at UNLV? Yeah, and I, I, I've got a problem with Grimala tweeting this. Oh, let's yeah. go. Oh, yeah. Mr. Mr. Uh, no Mayonnaise, uh, playing on everything. <laughs> um, yeah, keep the media stuff between us. Keep it between <laughs> us. Because then you got the clown shows responding. Then you got clown shows responding. Yeah, get yeah. the clown shows out there. Clown shows out That's there. That's great. Yeah, and and by the way, Grimala didn't do anything either. He just kept filming along. That's the other thing. I'm yeah. surprised it didn't hit him in the head because he was like in he was in the path of the ball, but Which, he somehow avoided it and continued to film. But you don't think you should have done more? What can I have done? The ball was already past us. Hey, Bryce, ball's coming. Like, no, I can't worry about that. Get out of the way. No, I can't you're worry about that. You're still locked in on the question. It's yes. just what basketball yes. doesn't exist. I needed him to tell me it was his last game in <laughs> Thomas and Mack Center as a regular season. That was a key question yesterday to Bryce Hamilton. Well, you got this answer out of him. I don't think it has honestly hit home yet. I'm very excited for tomorrow. It's crazy to say this is probably going to be my last game at the Thomas and Mack. Now, first off. Hopefully he's playing in the conference. He's got a conference in the game. So. They're really in trouble in the 4-5 <laughs> game. But... Last home game, right? He he knows they change out the floor and everything, so it's just yeah. not the same. Couldn't be anywhere close to the same. You think it's his last home game? Like, do you think he is yeah. done? We talked about this a little done. bit earlier in the week, but do you think he is, in fact, going to be done? Because he can't come back for one more year right. if he wants. No, I think he's done. I think he, he told me he graduates in May with a degree in sociology, so good for him. Uh, mm -hmm. Gets his degree, and I think that's what his mom wanted. She wanted him to get his degree. He's going to get it, and... I think it's time for him to try to play for money somewhere. Um, probably you and I think that if he came back, I mean, we've seen him for four years. And like you said the other day, he has improved his three-point shooting. I don't know how much he could get better in terms of if you're talking about your stock right. for the NBA to consider you. Um, I'm not going to be surprised if he goes in the second round, like maybe mid to late second round if he has good workouts. Uh not going to sit here and say I think he's an NBA player, but I do think he'll make money somewhere. And I just, yeah. you know, and I, I'll say this. I think if he asked... Kevin Kruger, and I don't know if he has or not. Maybe he will. I, I assume he'd ask everybody in terms of when he does his research. I think Kevin Kruger would tell him to go. That's that's a curious part from a, like a coaching standpoint. What do you tell kids when they sort of are you know looking for answers about, hey, should I come back? Yeah. Should I go pro? Whatever it is. Because like John Calipari, for example, he's pretty well known for sort of pushing guys out, saying, no, yeah. go, go, like get out of here. Like it. A, we're going to use that in recruiting, but B, like you go make money playing right. basketball. Like Calipari's very, he's fine being like a funnel to the NBA at Kentucky. Sure. I have to imagine there's a lot of coaches that aren't that way. There's a lot of coaches that are going to do everything they can to try to convince a kid to come back and say, hey, come on back. And right. I, I wonder what Kevin Kruger's sort of approach to that be, because here's the thing. He's a leading scorer, right? Bryce Hamilton's not on the team next year. Who who's scoring? Well, they've got to, they've got to figure out twenty three to twenty five points, right? And like, there's there's good pieces on this team, but there's certainly not uh, somebody just waiting in the wings to be Bryce Hamilton. So, Kevin, I, if, assuming Bryce Hamilton is gone, Kevin Kruger's got a big hole that he's going to have to fill this offseason. He's going to have to go find another uh, a best player on the roster right. effectively, because if they go into next year and the best player is somebody that's currently on the roster, I don't think they're getting better.
So, like, that's a big hole that Kruger has to fill. But at the same time, it's probably better for Bryce Hamilton to leave UNLV and, yes. and make money playing Try basketball. Go make money. He's going to make somewhere. money somewhere. Right. Um, I mean, kids come back. Matt Bradley announced yesterday he's going back to San Diego State. Right. Wasn't so. that was that weird, by the way, to you? That, they, that he's coming back? They, not that he's coming back, but that San Diego State like put out like a press release and they announced that Matt Bradley and that, I can't remember the other kids. That they, was like, strange. Like, Adam they're Seiko. coming back. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just thought it was weird. Like, And Bradley's one of these guys talking to people there that has not got his degree. And again, his his family says you're getting your degree, so he's got to go back. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, good for him. I mean, and I think, you know, his quotes were, it's important. He said, you know, I've seen a lot of guys who leave and then say, oh, I'll come back. I'll come back and get it. And they never come back and get it. You know, so he's a good player. I mean, it obviously helps them. I mean, Seiko's more of a sixth man. They'll recruit over him anyway um, in terms of Seiko. But Bradley's gives them a good start next year. He's a good player. Getting your degree. I, I, Brad, not that Matt Bradley's like a, you know, first round draft pick or no, anything like that. But I would love the idea of a kid that's like, yeah, I could get drafted 18th in the first round, but I got to go get my stupid degrees before I can make a yeah. million dollars playing basketball. I don't know if he thought he was the 18th pick. That no, he'd be coming not back. at all, but I would love that. Um, all right, so UNLV Wyoming tonight. Ken Palm projects UNLV as a one-point winner over Wyoming tonight. UNLV has skyrocketed in the last two months or so up Ken Palm into the 80s. Um, and Ken Palm says since they're at home, they should beat Wyoming. Or a one-point win is basically a toss-up, by the way, in Ken Palm, because Ken Palm's never going to project a tie score. But... You think they can beat Wyoming? Yeah, I think they're going to beat them. You think they are going to beat them? I think they're going to beat them. Okay. I think they're going to beat them. Because you don't believe in Wyoming? I don't believe in Wyoming as much. I watched them the other night uh, lose at home. Uh, I had seen them, like, in parts. I hadn't watched them that for that long. They have two good players, um, one of whom did not play uh, particularly well the other night. Um, Big Ike Mensa did a really good job on him. Maldonado had a triple-double. He's a good player. Um, I think the Rebels get it done. And, and by the way, if they get it done... Here starts the seeds starting to kind of mix up now. We we had San Diego State locked in as a four. Wyoming loses tonight. San Diego State wins out. Could be Wyoming in Unity. Right. So here's a small sample size theory that I'm interested in. UNLV and Mountain West play. So the, the four good Mountain West teams, the four teams that have legit NCAA tournament opportunities, Boise State, San Diego State, Wyoming, and Colorado State. Two of those teams are excellent defensively. Yeah. And their offense lags behind San Diego State and Boise State. And Boise State. They're both San Diego State's with number one in Ken Palm defense. Boise State's in the top 20. The other two, Wyoming and Colorado State, are very good offensively, and their defense lags behind. Both are top 30 in offensive efficiency and like somewhere in the hundreds or whatever um, in defensive efficiency. UNLV against the good defensive teams, 0 and 4. San Diego State and Boise State, they got swept by both of them. UNLV against the good offensive teams, they have not played Wyoming. Two against Colorado State. They're 2-0. and Blew them out. And I'm kind of wondering, is UNLV better against teams that are good offensively? but Bad defensively. But not as good defensively. I had small sample size theory, but if they do beat Wyoming tonight, and if they beat them handily too, right? If, if we're talking about a, a Colorado State a, game. Yeah, 15-point win for UNLV. That's an interesting theory to look around and say, okay, so UNLV can perform. Because here's the thing. All four of those teams are obviously not the same, but they're all sort of in the same tier of good, right? Mm-hmm. They're all solid, you know, somewhere between an eight and a 12 seed in the NCAA tournament, right? For UNLV to basically be, you know, non-competitive in a game against San Diego state, lose another one a little bit closer and lose two to Boise state by, you know, eight ish point margins. 
but then blow out Colorado State twice, and if they blow out Wyoming, that's fascinating to me that they would effectively be against good teams. Hey, if you're good defensively, we don't have a shot. If you're good <laughs> offensively, we're going to beat you. It's it's interesting to see that happen because I almost expect, I mean, I expected Colorado State both times they played them for Colorado State's offense to just, I thought so too, to just I blow so UNLV too. out. I thought it was going to be Colorado State scores 100 points. Roddy and, looked like he couldn't play both right? those games. And I mean, UNLV like he couldn't play. Shut him down. And so I'm very curious to see, can UNLV do something similar? And not that they're the same players, but Isaiah Stevens and David Roddy, uh, Ike and uh, Maldonado of Wyoming, it's a similar setup where you right. have a guard and a big that are both really good. It's a two-man unit um, that's, that's really good and sort of leading those teams. I'm fascinated to see if UNLV can kind of do the same thing, right? Can they get Royce Ham, Victory Walker, David Milwaukee, that trio to shut down Ike on inside? Can they get uh, Keep Hunter Maldonado from going off like – if they can do that, they've got a real chance to win this game. And and I'm not I'm not as confident as you are where you're sitting here telling me they're, they're winning win. the game. But I think they can. I think they've got to certainly have the opportunity. I think here's some lazy analysis for you. Who makes more threes? I think that's who wins the game. If one of these teams is shooting well from three and the other one's not, that's I think that decides it. I okay. think this is a close enough matchup that it's going to come down to, hey, one team got hot and hit 42% of their threes and the other team only made 29% or something, yeah. and that decides it. But that's kind of lazy analysis because you could do that for most basketball games. <laughs> but <laughs> that's kind of where I think this one ends up going. All right, coming up next, Jason Fitz joins the show. Aaron Rodgers is unimpressed with him, but we aren't. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. Good morning, Jason. Why are you mad at T-Mobile? <laughs> I knew you guys were going to ask me about that. <laughs> you know what? It, it has been, uh, you know, we'll just. Did we lose him? With you guys, but. Wait, where'd you? Hold uh, on, hold I, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We lost you for two seconds. Start over, start over. You knew we were going to ask right, you about so, this. Yeah, I knew. I knew this. Uh, so I signed up for T-Mobile and ESPN has a great relationship with T-Mobile. So we're supposed to get a corporate discount. And they didn't apply my corporate discount. And I chatted with them like three days afterwards and said, hey, guys, don't forget my corporate discount. And they were like, no problem. We'll get it fixed. Then they didn't get it fixed. And then they didn't get it fixed. And I've gone in through chat and chat and chat and chat all the way back since November. And I've like literally sat for hours on the phone and on chats trying to get this corporate discount applied. And they came back and said, sorry, you're not within the first 30 days of your account anymore. So now you can't have that corporate discount, which doesn't make sense when it's their mistake. And so after going from manager to manager to manager to manager and getting all of these, yeah, we'll get it fixed, but they never get it fixed and being charged every month the wrong amount, I finally went to Twitter. And then what do you know? Like, this is the unfortunate part of the way the world works. I go to Twitter and say, hey, guys, I'm really sorry I recommended T-Mobile on air, which I did a bunch because I really like the service. And then, bam, what do you know? Ten minutes later, I got a tweet. And they're like, oh, we got it all taken care of. Like, <laughs> I just, the way the world works, man, like, I, I didn't want to do that, but like that's the only way that you can get resolution sometimes from these companies. That is the 2022 version of "Do you know who I am?" Isn't it? Yeah, but the the thing of it is, like, it shouldn't be. Like, I, I literally, I, I sat on the phone. Is like your listeners don't care about this at all, but I sat on the phone like two weeks ago, and I even said to the representative after an hour on phone, when I was like, "You realize that you're ripping me off," and she's like, "Yeah, I I, I know this makes no sense, but I can't do anything about it." And I was like, "The sad thing is." If I go to like radio or if I sit or if I go to Twitter and I say something, y'all will fix it right away. And she's like, I, I don't know. I don't think, I, I don't know how this can be fixed. And I'm like, that makes no sense. And what do you know? It took like 10 minutes after a tweet for them to come in and be like, hey, no, 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 we're good. We're good. How quickly during the process did you have to say who you were? 
oh, nobody knows who I am. Like, like this is the great, you know, this is the weirdest thing about, like, let's go back to country music. I remember when we were playing the American Music Awards and we showed up for the band Perry. And I walk in the backstage and I'm like, yep, yeah, I'm here with the band Perry. And they put our entire band uh, in the locker room for Katy Perry in the dressing room area because they thought we were the band for Katy Perry. <laughs> that was real. And, like, the number of times when we had, when If I Die Young was at, at the time, it was number one on every chart, I, I would go to, like, keyboard companies to try and get help on some of these TV appearances we were doing. And they'd be like, yeah, what song is this? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, when you're in country music, you spend the whole time saying to people, you qualify, you're like, yeah. If you've heard of, if you're a country music fan, you've heard of this band. If not, I get it. You haven't. That's what I do now when I'm like, yeah, I work for ESPN, and people are like, oh, are you like a cameraman? Or I'm like, no. If you listen to a lot of radio or watch digital, like I, I do, I do good work there. I promise. Like I'm in the uh, explain who why, why I'm not a big deal life, and that's what I've been in for like 15 years. Do you know how much I love that story of them thinking you're the band for Katy Perry? <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I mean, there, there's no doubt. And the fun fact, like again, nobody cares about this, but we were playing a Grammy show, and we had a, a guitar player that was like, you know, kind of a shorter guy, didn't really take care of himself, like just sort of one of those guys. And I love him, but like he was one of those guys that didn't really care about anything other than the guitar. And we were walking backstage, and uh, at, at this thing, and as we were walking through the area, this girl wearing a hoodie walks up, and she says, "Tom." And he was over. He's like, "Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 yeah, I'm Tom. I'm sorry. Who are you?" And she takes the hoodie down, and it was Katy Perry. And she's like, "It's it's Katy." And we're all like, "What the hell is happening here?" And we played a whole show after this Grammy thing, and she was in the front row, sitting right in front of him, cheering. She had just broken up with Russell Brand, and she was like right there cheering the whole time. And the runner afterwards sent a, a like a little piece of paper that was like, you know, her phone number is like, "Let's get back in touch." And we're like, "What?" Are, what did I miss here? And like <laughs> when she had been a, a, a younger artist in Nashville doing the little Katy Perry, like Christian thing, apparently they'd gone on some dates and like he had known her years ago. And so she was trying to reconnect and he was dating somebody else. And he's like, ah, I'm not really interested. And I'm like, dude, if Katy Perry says you should call me, you should call Katy Perry like that. So it's ironic that later we became the band for Katy Perry. So she didn't walk into the dressing room and see you guys and say, who the hell are you guys? No, 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 no. She has her own dress. Like the band for Katy Perry sits in an area far, far away from Katy Perry. <laughs> you know, like there's, there's no doubt about that. That's the weirdest difference between award shows in country music and award shows in pop. Like uh, the the weirdest thing when you go backstage, like if you go to the CMA Awards or Vegas this week is going to have the ACM Awards, right? Like if you go to the ACM Awards backstage, usually what you have is one huge room that says males and one huge room that says females, and it's everybody from every band. doesn't matter if you're on the front of the record or if you're just the drummer for the guy that's on the front of the record. Everybody's in one big room, and they all hang out, and it's a big family, like it's a big you know, circus. And then the first, you'll go to the same, you know, to the same arena in Vegas for the, I think it was the American Music Awards, and we walked backstage, and at the time a, a buddy of mine was the drummer for Bruno Mars, and I was trying to go say, hey, and I couldn't get to the, the dressing room for Bruno Mars' band because they keep everything very separated backstage so yeah katie perry katie perry's band nowhere near katie perry um we are actually giving away tickets to the acms on the show today um as a musician you like those better than just regular concerts or are those uh no fun uh they're a bl- they're a blast they're amazing and i'll tell you this like hot take the acms are a far better uh show than the cmas like the cmas are the ones that everybody's country music awards in november are the ones that everybody you know always has this gravitas with 
I'll tell you, the uh, I'm going to give you guys a hidden secret that uh, people in Nashville won't like, but uh, the ACMs are the biggest party because, frankly, you're always on the road, and your biggest opportunity to really hang out with each other is at the ACMs. And so if you go to MGM, there's a bar in the middle of the MGM, sort of by the lobby um, that's on the way to the food court, and it's, it's, it's not the big round one that's over by the sports book, but there's one that's sort of right by the main lobby entrance that's like a half bar, and uh, that's where everybody sits. We all called it the circle bar. I don't know what it's actually called, but everybody sits there. So there was one night that we had played, and, you know, because the West Coast timing, uh, we were re-watching. Like, we were all sitting in the bar post-ACMs, and the ACMs were on uh, behind the bar on the TV. And it was funny because I saw my solo come up, and I, I screamed out with my buddies. I was like, look at me, I'm famous! <laughs> and we all uh, we all raised a glass to it. But, like, if you go to the MGM uh, throughout the course of the weekend, most of the acts are there. They're put there because that's where the uh, show is. And most of the time, like, you'll end up – I remember looking over one night and, like, Kelly Clarkson, Reba, Brooks and Dunn, and Blake were all sitting in one area of the Circle Bar. Nobody even realized they were there. So it's it's the uh, it's a hot spot. And the ACMs I think is the most fun and unique experience throughout the course of the year in uh, in country music. Like I, I, if my schedule was was would allow it, I would have been there just to hang out and see friends because it is a wild and incredible time. And now you've ruined that safe space for everybody that's actually going to be here. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm here to do. I'm, I'm here to ruin things. You know, that's a, that's if, if anybody sees Chris Young, tell him it's my fault. And uh, congrats to Chris, by the way. I think seven noms for the ACMs and uh, deserves it. You want to talk about a guy that doesn't miss a note when he sings live? Chris Young is is like he is a legit, real deal singer. He deserves every bit of attention he's getting. Do you guys call them noms? Uh, I didn't realize that till just now, but yeah, 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 no, yeah, your nomination. Uh, that yeah. is rough, Jason. That's inside stuff. That is, uh, that's an insider. Middle school text messaging stuff right there, Jason. Well, you know, I am, I am here to help you, uh, with all of your, uh, wild chaos. Uh, by the way, also, I should say, uh, the, the, my favorite ACM, um, memory, uh, I mean, I got a lot of great ACM memories, but my, my favorite ACM moment that I ever played. Uh, was the first time I ever played it, and it was I, I was not with the band Perry. I was playing with Tim McGraw for this one, and it was if you're reading this, uh, which was a song he wrote about you know a letter from a, a soldier that hadn't made it home, and if the whole the whole point was like if you're reading this, it means I didn't make it. Uh, but what was uh, incredible about it is we had spent weeks in rehearsals, and it was just him, his guitar player, and a string quartet on stage. But the song had never been heard; nobody in the world knew it. And so every time we did a rehearsal, they uh, they cleared the stage completely, and they made sure that nobody was in the room because they were doing this really cool moment where at the end of the song, the families of uh, like some families of soldiers that had been lost were standing on stage behind this incredible poignant moment. And it ended up we played it, we played the heck out of it. It ended up the live version of it was played by country radio the next day, and it ended up becoming a big number one for Tim, but not the recorded version, just us playing it live. But the funniest thing is. I was so stoked to play the ACMs for the first time that as the curtain was raising, I had my phone out because I was trying to record the moment of the curtain raising, and I hit the microphone that was attached to my fiddle, and I was the number one. I was like the first violin on this thing. I had to play really well. So, like, you you don't see it, but there's this moment where I drop my phone, and I'm trying to reclip the microphone on my violin as we go into it. I'm amazed I did not blow that song because... And we were we were live for the world to hear it on the first time, and I was trying to take a video like an idiot. You're not even good enough to be in Katy Perry's band, let alone the band <laughs> Perry. 
Right, right. I mean, <laughs> fact, like, Katy Perry would be a much better artist if she had a violinist, though. Let's be real. Like, oh, you know, and I do like, realism. no, no, I, look, I'm just <laughs> looking out for my people. Like, you know, violinists need work. Like, we can't all Lindsey Sterling it. Like, I can't dance. So, you know, I got I to rely on something else. You know, I mean, I, we can't all be we can't all be Lindsey. Which hold on, which instrument needs the most work? Like which which instrument gets left out the most? Uh, in modern country, it's going to be a a like a blow by blow between uh, fiddle and steel guitar. All right, like uh, that's why you know the the number like I'll use Luke Bryan as an example. There's a guy named Kevin Aerosmith plays for Luke Bryan. He's Luke Bryan's fiddle player, and he was Luke Bryan's fiddle player for like a day and a half before he realized that only one or two songs has a fiddle. The next thing you know, he's like Luke Bryan's second electric guitar player. Like when I left the Van Perry, I was playing the the fiddle. Uh, acoustic, uh, mandolin, uh, piano, uh, organ, uh, a dobro, which is like a slide sort of uh, guitar. Like you, you're playing everything because you you suddenly wake up one day and you realize that only about a third of the material has a fiddle on it. There are very few bands like uh, Blake. You know, Blake Shelton's one of the few that carries a you know he carries a, a fiddle player that you know Janae who wins every award. She's phenomenal. But then he also has a steel guitar player, but he has to cover like eight different instruments. So, you know, if you play the fiddle, you better. The first thing I got asked when I moved to Nashville and I was playing a fiddle gig, somebody said, what else do you play? And I'm like, I don't know. I spent eight hours a day practicing the violin my entire life growing up. Like, I didn't know I was supposed to carve out a few hours to learn the mandolin. I don't play anything else. So I always tell people I play the violin. I I fake a bunch of other instruments pretty well. All right. He's Jason Fitz, faking his way through the music industry. Jason, as always, we appreciate <laughs> Thanks, it. Thanks, Jason. Enjoy the ACM. Thanks, boys. Take care. I'm glad T-Mobile worked for Oh, giving out a lot of tickets. Yeah, we got ACM tickets right now. If you want to go out to the ACMs coming to Las Vegas, be caller number eight right now at 702-364-1100. We're going to get you qualified to win two tickets to the Academy of Country Music Awards, but you will win right now a two-foot sub from Porta Subs. Uh, so you get a sandwich, qualified to win ACM tickets, coming out uh, five days away. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number eight at 702-364-1100. Congratulations to Michael. He won the two-foot sub from Porta Subs and is qualified to win tickets to go to the ACM. We still have some UNLV basketball tickets we'll give away, and we still have some Mountain West basketball tournament tickets that are coming up a little bit later in the show. Now, a very important story. This was over the weekend, but reportedly, Amazon offered Sean McVay a five-year deal worth $100 million to come be an analyst for NFL games that are streaming on Amazon. Five years, $100 million. Remember, John Gruden signed a 10-year $100 million deal. So Sean McVay would have gotten that over the next five seasons. And Sean McVay turned it down. He is going to continue to coach the Rams. So here's a question for you. How much are the Rams paying Sean McVay now if he just turned down $20 million? I thought the question was going to be, how much was I on the hook for this because of my clicking on Amazon? <laughs> you funded so the Sean McVay? They actually called me and said, look, you've clicked more than anyone in the history of Amazon. What so do you much, think of Sean McVay? What do you think of Sean McVay? How much can, you, how much can we offer him? Um, I, I mean, he won the Super Bowl, so more than Gruden? He won the Super Bowl, and presumably he went back to the Rams and said, 
they're offering Amazon me $100 million for five years. Right. What's your offer? He had to have gotten a minimum of $15 million a year. Yeah. I have to imagine a minimum and probably 20? 18, 19, 20 million a year. Because, okay, here's wow. the thing. And here's, here's how I know that football coaches are insane. More than likely, Sean McVay just turned down more money and less work. Oh, no question about that. More than likely, he would have gotten paid more money by Amazon than he's going to get paid yeah, by the Rams. Up 24 and, hours a day watching film. And significantly less work. Yeah. He's an idiot, right? Like, in my mind... <laughs> Is this the 20 million you never watch sports an, again? He's an idiot. Oh, absolutely. In my mind, he's an idiot. Because if you told me I can get a raise and do less work than I currently do... Of course. Like, well, no no doubt that's what I'm doing. But he's wired differently because he's right. a coach. Right, and that's how he's I know coaches are, are yeah, insane. He's, he's out of his mind. Because in Sean McVay's mind, was he, like 30? seven or something, whatever the yeah, hell he is. Mid-30s. Like in his thirties, like in Sean McVay's mind, maybe he can be a coach for another two, three decades yeah. or longer than that, even if he's really good. Right. And I imagine in his mind that Amazon offers always there. Maybe it's not Amazon, but that yeah, he the, could the, always go to TV right. or wherever he can always be a broadcaster. That that's always going to be there. Yes. And for him, Hey, I can coach for a little bit longer and yeah. then go into TV and get my 20 million over five years or in 10 years, it'll be 30 million over five years or whatever it is. It is just insane to me to think that he is probably getting paid, whatever, $18 million a year from the Rams now, and he could have made more money to do less work. That is absolute insanity. It's almost impossible for either of us, though, to put ourselves in his mindset. Yeah, of course. I mean, we're just, you're just not wired that way. I would have zero interest in being a football coach anymore. I Oh, you want to put me on TV? Absolutely. I will watch two hours of film a day instead, instead of 18, of 18 exactly. hours of film a day. And I will give you moderately above average commentary and you will pay me $20 million. A year. <laughs> Which by the way, here's the other question. What, what is Amazon doing? Yeah. I mean, I made fun of the clicks, but they have hundreds of millions of dollars to offer Sean McVay to do what exactly? How many games does Amazon have? I mean, is it Amazon Prime? Well, two years what ago, is it? or maybe it was three years ago. I have Amazon was, on my television. There was one game that was exclusive to Amazon. Since they didn't do it last year, there was not an exclusive Amazon game last year. So I'm not even sure what Amazon is doing. So here. what platform would he be on? Do they have? Do they have Amazon? Like, exactly. But right. I mean, do they have like feature shows? Do they have pre-game like shows? Amazon Prime. They, what, what's oh, their yeah. platform? I don't know. I no idea. And that's what I don't understand what they're doing. Like you're going to pay this guy. 20 million a year and seven people are going to watch whatever pregame show you put like it, this isn't like NBC going and no, finding a Fox. Sunday night football right, commentator. Right. This isn't it's even ESPN finding their Monday night football commentator. This is Amazon and like, Oh, okay. Like who's going to Amazon to watch this? I didn't, you just told me something I didn't even know. I didn't even know they had a game. Yeah. They, and I it think, was exclusive to Amazon. Yeah. People were very upset about it. Um, just one game. Right. There was one game. Was it the 2019 season? Maybe it was the 2020. I can't remember exactly. But there was one game. It was a Cardinals game. I can't remember who they played. But it was an exclusive Amazon Prime streaming game. And I think they're going to have more. I'm under the impression that they're going to have more. Well, I hope if they offered him $20 million yeah. a year, they're going to have more than one game. But that's insane. Like, are they even going to get one game a week? Like, I just, what's Amazon doing? I, I think there are two morons in this scenario. Amazon and, and Sean, Sean McVay. McVay. 
<laughs> so according to an article I found on SI from earlier this week, his extension is uh, in the ballpark of 15 to 18 million annually. He's a moron. Okay. Yeah, he's an idiot. And much, 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 much more work. Oh, I mean, the, the, they, those guys never stop. Yeah. They never, coaches in the NFL never stop. It's March 2nd. He's probably done more work in the month of March than he, he would, would have, have the entire for, year. The, the entire football season as for an Amazon, Amazon Yeah, guy. they never stop working, ever. <laughs> and he just won the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, then, and like, the combine hasn't even technically started I mean, they, they went into his office to show him the ring. He's like, I don't have time for that. You guys just decide what it looks like. Here's my size. I'll see you later. I got film to watch. <laughs> I got one parade the draft to go. Is coming up. I got a parade to go yell at Aaron Donald to run it back, yeah. and then the draft, and we then gotta, this. We got and free agents. I got to go to the combine. I I, I almost don't believe it. A hundred million dollars over five years. I it's like the Mel Tucker deal at Michigan State. How did Michigan State pay that guy ninety, 90 million, million over ten years? How was Amazon going to pay this guy five years, a hundred million dollars? That makes no. I mean, we made fun of the Raiders for giving John Gruden a hundred million over, over 10, ten years. Like we made fun of that contract. Amazon was going to do that much money over five? To be fair, though, I'm fairly certain Amazon makes a lot more money than the Raiders <laughs> franchise. There's a lot of clicking. Just, yeah. a lot of clicking. In, just in 2020, didn't Bezos double his net worth? Yeah. Only doubled? Um, you are correct. Yes. They can. They, they would not notice Sean McVay and $100 million oh. being gone. I mean, talk about the pandemic and clicking. Bezos, <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't triple his worth, to tell you the truth, the way people had to click during the pandemic. By the way, here's the other part of this. Sean McVay's never done it before. Sean McVay could suck. Right. Sean, I mean, he could be like Tony Romo and everybody loves the guy, but Sean McVay could suck yeah. at this. And they would have locked him into a five-year deal for $100 million? Morons everywhere. Take the money, Sean.